All right, so we are in John chapter 1, so if you've got a, a physical Bible, find that, and if you've got a virtual Bible, no, nah, it's a real Bible, but it's on your device, find that, John chapter 1. We are in um, this Party of 12 series, and uh, man, let me just clearly, clearly, clearly state what this series is all about, right? I mentioned last week a book by David Platt called Before You Vote. Um, this is not a political series, but... I think a lot of what we're talking about in this series can help us in the season that we're moving toward. Um, and I think that book from David Platt can ha- maybe help connect some dots that you know, there's just no way we can cover everything in this series. But I think that he does a really good job in that book. So what we're talking about are these 12 men that Jesus called to be his apostles, right? And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before when you read the Bible, but um, they wouldn't have really liked each other without Jesus, like Jesus was, he called men who didn't actually like each other to work together following him, and they changed the world. Like, turn to the person next to you and say, you're here because of those dudes. Like, I know it's the Holy Spirit. I know it's Jesus. I know all that stuff. But he worked through those men, and they were obedient, and we're here as a result. Like, the, what the church we know today, for better or for worse, is here because of those men. And what I want you to see over and over, I'll say it every week, because this is like the whole series, the big idea for the whole series is that who we have in common is more powerful than what we don't. And you know there's a lot of things we don't have in common, but if we have Jesus in common, that's more powerful than all of the things that we don't have in common. Now, this week we're going to start a little bit of a change, a little shift. I told you, um, if you're into numbers, that there are, there's 12 disciples, 12 apostles, and they're always mentioned in the same three groups of four. Remember that from the first week? So the same, three, same four are always mentioned together in three different groups. Sometimes the order changes in, within those groups, but they're always the same four. So we have covered four to this point. Um, Andrew and Simon, he be, was known as Peter. That's the first two. That were, they were brothers. And then last week, James and John, and they were brothers. So the first four were two sets of brothers. And now we're going to shift to the second set of four. And so this kind of sounds weird to say, but most scholars would say that the order is actually in, this sounds terrible. You're going to hate this, but this is the way they say it. They're listed in the order of importance to the ministry. And that, that just sounds weird because all of us feel like we're the most important person to Jesus, don't we? And in a way, we all are, but it, it's just the way that they're used in the ministry. So like those first four, you read about them all the time. And don't you, don't you, don't you love that? I love that we read about Peter all the time. I love reading about a, a guy who messed up all the time. It just makes me feel like, oh, God, you can use me, right? But now as we get into the next eight, some of them, you know, we might show up one Sunday. We, we might cover three or four in a Sunday because there's just not a lot written about them in Scripture. So we're relying on Scripture. We're relying on, like, historical documents. We're relying on, like, you know, commentators, just things that we know about them that don't necessarily come from Scripture. So as an example, today we're going to talk about these two guys named Philip and Bartholomew. They're our next two. So Philip and Bartholomew. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about Philip first. We can call him Phil and Bart if you want. You know, it just makes me think of a Christmas story, but whatever. So Philip and Bartholomew, let's start with Philip. So John chapter 1, we're going to be there the whole time. So if you just find John, John chapter 1, you're, you're good to go. Um, the actual story of Philip being called by Jesus is not until we get like verse 43, but I want to just set up the context if I can. There's a man named John the Baptist. Raise your hand if you've heard of John the Baptist. 
He's the dude that, like, dressed weird and ate weird food, right? Oh, he's from California. No. Not really. So he, he dressed weird, ate weird food. Um, he's John the Baptist, and he had, he had a following, so he's baptizing people. He's preaching about the coming kingdom, and he had people that followed him. So let's pick that up in, in verse 29. I'll just read it to you. It says this, the next day John, that's John the Baptist, the dude that's not from California but kind of acts like it, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. That's a confusing sentence, but basically what it says is, this man is way more important than I am. Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony, verse 32. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. He's talking about when Jesus was baptized. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this, I'm sure he's pointing at Jesus at this point, this is God's chosen one. Okay, that's backstory. Just to let you know, that's what's happening in this chapter is that John has been baptizing. John has people that are following him. So it, Jesus wasn't the only person that had disciples. A disciple was just somebody who said, I'd like to follow you and learn from you. And I'd like to become just like you. I would like to watch how you do things and then I will do the same things. That's what it means to be a disciple. Is it starting to make sense for you now why we're called Christians, which means little Christ? Because we're disciples of Jesus, so we should be looking more and more like our rabbi. Making sense so far? So they're, trying to, they're following John. Now check this out. The next day, verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him, they followed Jesus. So John lost two of his disciples because something better came along, and, and it was Jesus, and that was a good call, right? So someone better came along. I don't know if you ever had that happen. Like people are hanging out with you, and then they just ditch you and hang out with somebody else. To John's credit, and this is not a message about John, you can see how when he said, I must decrease and Jesus must increase, he was living that stuff out. He literally watched two of his disciples walk away from him to follow Jesus. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw these two disciples following him and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Verse 39, make a note around this. We're going to come back to it. Jesus said, come and you will see. So they went and saw. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> come and you will see. So they went and they saw. Of course. They saw where he was staying. They spent that day with him. It was, all, it was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, and he had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon. We talked about this last two weeks ago. We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You're called Cephas, which means Peter. That's where he got his name. Verse 30, 43, this is the part that I want you guys to see. I want you to see that John the Baptist had disciples Two of them, one of them was Andrew, left John and followed Jesus. And then this happens, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. A lot of scholars believe that Philip was the other disciple who left John the Baptist. Everybody say, why? I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They believe because there's only one that's named, 
And in just a minute, I'm going to show you why in Scripture they think that Philip was the other one that was named. Now, I'll also tell you why it matters. Because sometimes we get hung up on little things in the Bible, and you're like, well, does that even matter? It's like when you took calculus in high school. How many of you took calculus in high school? And you were like, am I ever going to go to New York City and somebody hold me up at gunpoint and tell me if I can't figure out a calculus problem, they're going to kill me? No. When am I ever going to use this stuff? Sometimes we can think the Bible's like that. But everything in the Bible is there for a reason. And God uses it to show us stuff. I think that's the case here with Philip. So before I tell you that, before I tell you why Philip was probably the other one that wasn't named, let me just tell you two things about Philip's life just so everybody can kind of breathe a little bit. Number one, I need to know in the room, raise your hand, don't be shy. If you are a planner, if you're a list maker, you're the person that gets out the legal pad to take notes, You're the person, if your family decides to go on vacation, you have packed months in advance or at least made the list of what all the other people should pack. Raise your hand if that's you. Be proud, y'all. Be proud. You're in the Bible. You are in the Bible. Turn to your spouse and say, I told you I was in there, right? Like, this is it. This is your day. Your day of vindication is happening right now. Philip was like you. And here's how we know. In John chapter 6, Jesus is about to perform the miracle where he fed the 5,000. And so there's this huge crowd. We say the Bible says 5,000. That's 5,000 men. So there were also wives. There were also kids. There could have been up to 20,000 people that were there. And, and Jesus, checks. I love this. When Jesus looked up, John chapter 6, verse 5, when he looked up and saw a great crowd, and that was a great crowd, coming to him, and, y'all, they were hangry. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a great crowd. And Jesus saw him coming. And so he said to Philip, this is one place where Philip is mentioned in the Bible, and this is what he asked him. Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? How would you like to be Philip at that point? Uh, what? But he didn't panic. And here's how we know that Philip was like all y'all planners. He had already started calculating in his mind. He was looking at that crowd and he was thinking, oh, that's a lot of people. If we did this and this, carry the five, the remainder of some. And this way he said, if we had half a year's wages, it would not be enough to give everyone a bite. This dude was like the human calculator. He was already figuring it out. And what I want you to see is that Jesus didn't look at him and go, where's your faith, man? He, he received Philip just like he was, planner and all. I would even dare say Jesus was more accepting of the planners than the people the planners are married to, right? He's like, that's good, Philip. Great job. I got a plan. And what I love about Jesus is he didn't chastise Philip for trying to figure it out he kind of basically looked at Philip and said, you know what? You've done a good thing here. You have figured out that it's going it's to take more than you have, even though you don't exactly know how much more than you have it's going to take. And then he involved Philip in the miracle. Because when you read about the feeding of 5,000, Jesus didn't give all the people the bread. Jesus broke the bread and handed it to the disciples, and the disciples went and gave it to the people. All y'all people that are checklist people, that are trying to figure out God's plan, And people that aren't checklist people keep telling you just to have faith. I want you to know this. God made you how you are. He loves how you are. He loves that you try to figure it all out. And I think some part of God just laughs and goes, that's adorable. 
That's adorable, and I love that you did that, and now I want you to come hang out with me, and I want, to, I want to involve you in the miracle so I can blow your box up. And he did that with Philip. One more story about Philip. Philip, in John chapter 14, uh, we're, we're going to just dive into the middle of a Sunday school lesson that Jesus is having with the disciples, and he's telling them like crazy stuff, things like, I and the Father are one. And it's like, wait, what? And they're all trying to figure this out. And, and how many teachers do I have in the room? Raise your hand, be proud. Teachers, tell me if this doesn't drive you crazy. When you teach a lesson and you teach it so well and you've covered it, um, there's no way anybody could have a question. You teach it and then some kid probably trying to get class participation points, right? They raise their hand. And they ask you a question that reveals there's no way they heard anything you said. Am I right? And don't, I mean, I know you can't say this because it's being recorded, it's being live streamed, but I know what you want to do, but you just smile. It's just good. They're adorable, right? And you have to reteach it. That's what happened to Jesus. Jesus has been telling the disciples, like, look, I don't say anything that my father doesn't say. So I hang out with the Father. He tells me what to say, and I say it. So basically, he sent me because I am the Father. We are one. So if you're looking at me, you're looking at the Father. And Philip's response to that is, <laughs> I love this. He says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And I'm like, if you're Jesus, are you, like, looking at Philip going, dude, dude, what? Have you heard anything I've said? And just to set you a little bit at ease, if you've ever had that reaction to somebody, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 9. He said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And what I need you to see is that Jesus, even though that frustrates him, even though he's like, Philip, you're not getting it, he still called him. He was the chosen one. He was somebody that Jesus said, I can use you. The way you're wired, the way you think, the way you make those adorable checklists and probably slip them to me, I can use that in my ministry. And he called him and he used him. And so here's what I want you to know about Peter. I mean, about Philip. Philip wasn't perfect, but Philip was a conduit. Okay, just jot that down. Philip was a conduit. I don't know if you know what a conduit is, but let's just say it's like a channel. So it's a delivery system. Right? So there's electrical conduits in this building right now, and they're just delivering power. That's all they're doing. So a conduit doesn't, doesn't have to think. It doesn't have to, like, figure it out. A conduit is just a vessel to deliver something from one place to the next. And Philip was a conduit. And here's how we know. So back to, back to the first part that we started talking about, the part where, um, he, you know, he, not only was he used to help feed the 5,000, so he's a conduit of bread, to the people, right? Not only did he, he didn't fully understand who Jesus was and that he was actually going to be like, he was part of the Father. He didn't fully understand that. He's still invited to be a part of that ministry. And in John chapter 1, the very, very beginning, the part that we read, what I want you to see is why Philip was probably the unnamed disciple, and it all ties back to being a conduit. Here we go. Because when Philip was, was called by Jesus, he asked Jesus a question. And he said this, where are you going? In verse 39, the, the verse that I asked you to, to circle, Jesus said, come and see, right? And then as soon as Philip starts following Jesus, we're going to pick it up in verse 43. Jesus finds Philip and says, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, 
was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. Basically, we have found the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael's comment in verse 46 is, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? How many of y'all that grew up in Albemarle sometimes feel that way? Can anything good come from Albemarle? Yes. So the first time that Philip shares the truth about Jesus, the, you remember the first time you evangelized somebody? <laughs> like your heart's beating out of your chest. You're like, oh, God, please don't let them ask me any questions that I do not know the answer to, right? And you're just so worried, so scared. And this happens to Philip. The first person he talks to about Jesus gives him an objection. Well, that can't be the Messiah. He came from Nazareth. And what does Philip say? Come and see. Sound familiar? It's the exact same thing that Jesus said to him. And what I want you to get is this, that Philip was a conduit who took the words he heard from Jesus and just simply delivered those words to the people he talked to. I think sometimes we feel like we have to add to what God says. I know as a communicator, sometimes I feel like I need to help God out, but God doesn't need my help. His word will not return void. And what we hear from the Father, what we read in Scripture, we can simply, he's just looking for vessels that say, I won't try to figure that out, God, I'll just deliver it. And that's what Philip did. He simply delivered it to Nathaniel. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to be a conduit? Are you willing just to take the words that he gives you in your quiet time tomorrow morning and just simply share them with people as you go through the day? All right, now, Bartholomew. Okay, surprise. We've already been talking about Bartholomew. That whole story was about Bartholomew because Bartholomew is also Nathaniel. I mean, is your whole head just going, right? Like in the, in the Bible times, it was common for people to have more than one name. And so a lot of the scholars believe that and because of like history and traditions and things that have been written back in that day, that the, even if the Bible never has a verse that says, Nathaniel was Bartholomew. But all the scholars that look at this, most of them land on the fact that they probably were the same people. Okay, so when Philip went to Nathaniel, Bartholomew, we should come up with another name like Nate Bart or something like that, right? Like they're the same person, okay? So let's just recap how Bartholomew, how Nathaniel came to the Lord. Philip finds him in verse 45, tells him about Jesus, and what is Nathaniel or Bartholomew's, what's his first response to Jesus? Well, that can't be the Messiah, because he came from Nazareth, and Nazareth isn't good. And here's why he said that, because he knew Scripture. He knew that there were prophecies about the coming Messiah, and he knew that Nazareth was never mentioned, not even one time in the Old Testament. I know that later this afternoon you're going to Google that and make sure that I'm telling you the truth, because I told you last week that the wrong person wrote a book in the Bible. I get it. <laughs> but I Googled it first, and it's true. It's true. Not one time in the Old Testament is Nazareth mentioned, and yet when he hears that Messiah is going to come from that place, Nazareth was a, a home for Roman soldiers. It was also a place for Roman soldiers to bring the things that they brought, things like false idols and sin and oppression to the Jews. And so when Nathaniel or Bartholomew, when he heard the Messiah was coming from that place, his first response was, there's no way. And that's the G version, right? There's no way. And can I just sum up Bartholomew like this? 
Bartholomew questioned that a good God could come through a bad place. But he can. And that's the beauty of the Messiah, is that he came from unexpected places. He came through bad places. And so Bartholomew, Nathaniel had a hard time with that. So here's, here's a couple, a couple of, of takeaways from his life. Number one, I want you to see this, that he was skeptical of Jesus, but he was also still used by Jesus. Some of you are here this morning, and because of your history, because of people that you've met, because of how you've seen people live that claim that they knew Jesus, you're a little skeptical of the faith, and I get it. And God's bigger than your skepticism. And he doesn't beat you over the head because you're skeptical. He sees it, and he still uses it. He understands it, and he still, and not only does he use it, I want you to see the promise that he gave to Nathaniel. Because have you ever talked about somebody and later found out they heard? Uh, and have you ever been busted? Have you ever experienced talking to somebody about somebody, and that person was like, stop talking because the person you were talking about was behind you? So Nathaniel and Bar- Bartholomew, same person, Nathaniel says to Philip, can anything good come from Nazareth? And the first time he meets Jesus, Jesus tells him, um, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Translation, I heard everything you said about me, dude. And I don't know what you would be doing if you found out that you had talked to somebody about somebody and they heard about it later and they were face-to-face with you. I'm running, probably. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm like, this is, we're not fixing this. This is ir- irreparable. Jesus looks at him and he says, here's what he says. Verse 50, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree but you'll see greater things than that. Isn't that the grace of God, y'all? That he would bust us in all of our skepticism and then turn to us and say, but. And I'll tell you all the time, there's big buts in the Bible, right? And this is a big one. But I still want to use you. And I don't want to just use you. I'm I'm telling you, you're going to see greater things than these You're here this morning and you're skeptical. I'm not sure this stuff really works. I believe that Jesus pulls you even closer because he loves to prove who he is. He's a good God. Last takeaway, and then we're going to close this thing out. And this takeaway will change the way you live every single day. Are you ready? I know you're excited. God found Bartholomew before Philip did. I know you're like, I thought it was going to be better than that. Let me explain. There are people in our lives that God has already prepared. They're in a place, and he's already prepared their heart. And do you know what he's waiting on? He's waiting on a Philip to be a conduit And just take the grace of God and deliver it to that person. And I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you willing to be that person? See, that'll change your trip to Walmart, won't it? I know, I know. My trips to Walmart go like this. I pray a lot when I go to Walmart. I pray I don't get sick, right? I pray I don't spend Ten times more money than I planned on. Like, God save my budget as I walk in this place. It's just so easy. You go in, you're going to spend $10, you spend 50 right? But, but the truth of the matter is, 
If I believe that the Holy Spirit is preparing hearts in places to receive his word, then when I step into a public place, I should be praying as I step in, God, who have you sent me here for? Who have you given me? That quiet time I had this morning, that that verse I read that stood out to me, who's it for? And can I just tell you this? In college, I did this for an entire semester just as an experiment. I would read the Bible in the morning, and I would pray every day the same prayer. God, highlight a verse to me this morning, and then highlight a person to me this afternoon that that verse is for. And do you know, it changed the way you live because you're always looking for the moment. Who is it in this room that God has sent me to? Like, I love to go to Glory Beans. You know, like, I'm a regular. I'm a regular regular. I'm, I'm like as regular as they come. Wait, that was not what I meant to say, but you know what I meant, right? I mean, it's true, but you know, anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> huh. When I walk into your store, I'm always saying to God, who am I coming to see today? Even if I'm meeting somebody, just who's in that place that you're sending me to? And I want you this morning, before we wrap this up, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Are you willing to be the carrier of the grace of God? Think of it like this. We carry the grace into the place where God has prepared people to receive it. And and here's the way you're going to respond. Close your eyes. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm not even looking, okay? I'm going, to give you the resp- I'm going to give you the call, and I'm going to let you respond, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to leave. If you're willing to be a conduit of the grace of God, if you're willing, like Philip, to say, hey, God, I'll go to the first person I see, and I'll deliver the message, and I'll tell him exactly what you said. You said come and see, so I'm going to tell him to come and see. If that's you, I just want you to stand. Just stand where you are, and I'm going to commission you this morning as a missionary, to be sent from this place to carry the grace of God to people that you meet. What you're saying is I'm willing to ask God every time I step into a place, who are you sending me to? And I'm willing to deliver the word of God to that person. And if that's you, I just want you to stand. I want you to lift your hands, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, as we leave this place today, we're walking out of here on a mission. We want to be Philip, God. We want to, we want to be a conduit. We, we might not, well, not might not, we'll never understand all that you do. You, you are so much higher than we are. But that doesn't stop us from being used by you. And so I pray over these that have stood, whose hands are raised, I'm just asking that you would fill them, God, with the power of your Holy Spirit right now, that you would fill them, God, with an expectation that everywhere they go, you have prepared somebody like Nathaniel, like Bartholomew. You've prepared somebody in advance of them getting there that's ready to receive what you sent them with. And whether it's healings or salvations, maybe it's we're, we're giving them some money to help them out. Whatever it is, God, we're just saying we want to be your delivery system. We want to be the ones that you use to get hope to the hopeless to get salvation to the lost, to get healing to the broken. We want to be the ones, God, that you use every day. And so I pray, God, that you would find us willing and faithful and ready and start today 
at the restaurant where we eat. God, start today and write a new story in people's lives and call more people to yourself just like you did Bartholomew because we said yes in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.